So it's a chilly spring evening. Well, spring. Yeah, spring. Nice. And chilly. Not balmy. Wow. Yeah. And I really remember the weather well because I remember the jacket I was wearing in this situation because I'm glad it was a heavy jacket. It was a fairly solid piece of uh, garmentry. Okay. I'm walking through the bus interchange in Civic, East Row in Canberra. It's a chilly evening and then out of the blue, this guy, and I know this guy, he's a mate. We do theatre together. He grabs me by the front of my jacket, that's why I remembered it was a good jacket, yeah. and slammed me up against the window of a Ooh, shop. Aggressive. And started yelling at me, going, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done to Monogai Vanunu? Who? That was my question. You're listening to I Spied, the undisclosed nuclear weapon of Australian intelligence. We are in so much trouble if they catch us. Welcome to I Spied. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm a journalist. I'm here with David Callan, who is a former ASIO something something. Intelligence officer is the word we like to use, though I would Less say... Less intelligence. Basically, they're box standard idiot. Yep. Yeah. I think we've ascertained that. I think we've pretty much figured this one out. We have. I'm a twit. Yep. The mystery's over. But I keep getting... I, even though I was a twit when I worked for ASIO, not that I'm not a twit now, I kept getting caught in these really strange situations. But we love them. I know. They're fantastic. Yeah. They're such adventurous stories. And the story we have today would make John Le Carre go, oh, come on, guys, that's just too over the top. Whatever. Right. Right. <laughs> you... Mordegai Vanunu. I keep saying this name. Okay, Mordegai Vanunu. Yes, Mordegai Vanunu. Now, Mordegai Vanunu is- It sounds um, like a tongue twister that you have to do before you go on for a play. Well, I do now. That yeah. is my warm-up, Mordegai Vanunu, Mordegai Vanunu. Yeah. Right, now, Mordegai Vanunu was an Israeli nuclear technician. Okay. He worked at uh, the Demona- Plant, which was in the Negev Desert, right? He just yep, he was well. this guy that was just cruising around Israel and got a job out there. And they cruising thought, oh, around Israel, yeah, kind of hanging about, you know, <laughs> like, living. In, you know, he was living in Israel. Who cruises? Who's <laughs> yeah, going to cruise through Israel? Well, you know, uh, As you do. quite a few armies have done it over there. Rome's yeah. it for a while. Yep, yep. But let's get back to Mordecai. So he's a guy who just got a job at this nuclear power plant in the Negev Desert, and you know, he had an interesting background. He sort of travelled the world and he sort of like he was he had sort of interesting politics but while he was there he took a camera in with him one day why and well he took 54 photographs okay why uh because of what he was seeing when he was working there oh yeah do you know how many countries in the world have nuclear weapons because at the time only eight countries were known to have well actually no seven at the time yep. only only seven countries in the world had nuclear weapons right and well, he this, discovered he blew the lid off it and he turned that that little seven he turned it into an eight right but the way he did it was absolutely unbelievable it's a total spy story it's got everything right so essentially sharks doesn't have sharks <laughs> Funnily enough, they do go over an ocean and oceans have sharks. Okay. Now, what happened was he took these photos. He saw what turned out to be nuclear warheads. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I find nuclear one of the hardest words in the nuclear. world. So, nuclear. Nuclear. I know, nuclear. but I just wind up saying nuclear like Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. You do. He took these photos and he got fired from his job. Mm. Not for taking the photos. He was just like they downscaled the place and he was booted. Right. He got retrenched. And then his union leader got him the job back. And then he got retrenched a second Wait, time. There was unions in the Nagav Desert. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. There's unions. Yeah, everyone's got a union. Everyone has a union. Not exactly the most powerful. <laughs> um, so anyway, he leaves his job. He doesn't know what to do, so he starts travelling the world. And he goes to Thailand, and there's an incident of him going into the 
Russian embassy, the Soviet embassy at the time, in Thailand to work out what kind of papers he'd need to be able to travel to Moscow. Right, So he's travelling around the world and he finally comes to Sydney. Right. And he realises after three weeks of living in Sydney, this place is great. I'm going to live here. Yeah. Right. So he's living in Sydney. He gets a job as a taxi driver. And one of the things he did, and oh boy, this was going to be, this came to back to bite him. He converted to Christianity. Wow. Became a Christian. Okay. Right. So anyway, while he was here, he met a journalist. And he so t- wait, he converted from Muslim? No. To Christianity? Judaism. Judaism. He was Jewish. Oh, Mordecai. Jewish. Come on, Mordecai. Okay. Well, like, I'm so sorry that I can't tell Jewish names. That's okay. I, I forgive you. Okay, great. That's fine. Right. So anyway, he's come to Australia and he's converted to Christianity and then he meets a journalist, a Colombian journalist of all things, and the Colombian journalist, he tells him his story and he says, look, I took these photos of what, you know, they're nuclear weapons. Is this just random taxi chat? I don't know. It's never really, it's never borne out. And the journalist says, you could sell that. (laughs) You should sell that story. That's a really interesting story. Now, here's the point where my friend comes into the picture, right? My friend was really, he was a theologian. I didn't know that until I sort of- A theologian. Someone who studies religion. Yeah. So anyway, he knew a lot of people in churches. He knew because he hung out with them and did that sort of thing. So anyway, this guy had found out about Mordecai Vanunu through a friend who was working in the church. Now, because this guy was one of the people who sort of counseled him to become a Christian. The interesting thing is this guy had 54 photographs of possibly the most sensitive information on the planet. Guess where he had it developed? Like just at Kmart? The 24-hour Photoshop <laughs> on Oxford Street, Paddington. I remember that one. And, you know, you'd, you could stand there and watch the photos go through the machine in the window. Yeah, kind of like a sick Robin Williams movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but imagine that. You could be standing on the street, look at the windows, and 54 photographs of unknown nuclear weapons are passing before your eyes. This is brilliant. Yeah. Right. So anyway, Mordecai goes, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get in touch with somebody who's going to see if they're interested in this story. So what he does is he gets in touch with the London Times. I think it was yeah, I think it was the London Times. Gets in contact with the Times. Aim high. Right. And the Times go, look, we need proof. So yep. ergo, he gets the photos developed and mm. sends four photocopies of the photos to London. Mm. London says, gee, we really want this story. Come on over. Yeah. So he flies to London, right? Gets to London. And they sort of like immediately put him in a hotel. Now, at this point, what no one knows is the Colombian journalist has allegedly gone to the Israeli consulate here in Sydney and said, look, there's this Jewish nuclear technician with photos of your nuclear weapons. Why, though? Why would a journalist do that? I have no idea. This is why it's alleged. Again, this this story is so fractured and so crazy. Yeah. Israel are immediately on top of this. Of course. Now, this is where my friend then turned around and said, you know, ASIO must have known. They must have known about it, to which I just like went, dude, nobody's heard of this guy. Right. So getting back to your friend who just grabbed you off the street street. and yelled at you, Mordecai Vanunu. Yep. He thought that we had betrayed Mordecai Vanunu to Israel and Israel would You go, who? Mordecai who? What? (laughs) Is that a Jewish name? Yeah. Or is it, is it, or or is is it, it Muslim? Or is it Muslim? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good with names. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not. And the thing is, doing the research, because when this came up and it's like, yeah, we've got to do this, I went back over sort of like the stuff that I knew and mm. thought, I'm going to flesh it out. What's really interesting is one of those things that popped in my head is, hang on a minute, why would Israel ask ASIO for help? Because this is an internal matter. Because mm. the first thing ASIO is going to do when Israel go, excuse me, we want you to keep an eye on this guy called Mordecai Vanunu. 
Ace is going to go, why? Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> why? Why do you want us to watch this young man with a name that we can't determine? Right? And sure enough, so that was my thing. It's like, mate, why would they? Yep. Why would they talk to us? And it really got me sort of like focused on the idea of international espionage. Yeah. So here we go. Mordecai Vanuna goes to London. They put him in a hotel in London. They don't think it's safe, so they move him out of the hotel in London and they move him to a farm in Herefordshire or somewhere out in the, and and he gets bored out of his gourd and goes back to London. Is he just like one of those dogs when you've, you've had them too long and you just take them out to the farm? <laughs> take them out to the farm. <laughs> take them out to the farm. <laughs> Shh. It'll be okay. Come on, Jella. Right, so he goes back to London and while he's in London, he meets up with an old friend from Israel who sort of says, oh, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? And he sort of says, oh, look, I've got this information. And the friend immediately turns around and says, you can't do this. You've got to stop. It's terrible. They go crazy. Now, the thing is, that really sounded like Mossad had gone, go and tell your friend to stop. Because the friend, according to Vanunu, got quite threatening. Really? Yeah, got really threatening. So Vanunu is in this hotel in London. So that's his last name? Vanunu is the last name. So first name Mordegai? Mordegai, I was yeah. very confused as to where it started and ended. Oh, my God. Just holding on. Okay, go. As you <laughs> right. will. Right. So what happens is he gets a girlfriend. Mordegai gets a girlfriend. Oh, there's like a happy ending. It's really nice. Aww. Right. And the girlfriend says, we should go to Rome. Let's go to Rome. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. <sighs> and then he gets to Rome. It's a honey trap. It's a honey yeah, trap. Yeah, Run away. Exactly. Run away. You've learned so much I've doing so this. I've learned so much. You have. Right. So the honey trap is on. Yeah. What had happened was essentially Mossad psychologists, they were all over him, right? But they didn't want to do anything to him when he was in the UK mm. because the UK are a fairly important ally of Israel and they don't want to upset fairly important allies. Uh, let's let's dump it on the Italians. They thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they sent uh, an Israeli Navy ship disguised as a merchant vessel. Oh my god! To Rome. There's a lot going on here. Oh hell yeah! Mordecai Vanunu gets to the hotel to meet up with the girlfriend. Is met with three Mossad agents and is immediately drugged with a paralysis agent. Oh my god! Put on a stretcher, wheeled out of the hotel, wheeled down to the docks. Put on a speedboat. Speedboat drives him out to the ship. Ship drives him back to Israel. Another boat comes out from Israel, picks him up off the ship. Oh, and while they were putting him on board the ship, every sailor on that ship had to wait in the mess that was locked. Okay. Right? No one knew what was going on. Right. So no one could. No one. No could one say could, yeah, could say they knew what was going anything. on. Okay. So this guy. But then, how do we know it happened? How do we know it happened? Uh-huh. Okay, sorry, I don't want to ruin the ending. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is this is such a crazy story. It's a right? great story. So it's got a honey trap in it so far. It's got a, a drugging, a kidnapping, all this sort of stuff. I'm in. Here's the great thing. Yeah. When Israel finally admitted that they had him, they'd arrested him for treason, mm-hmm. and they they were going to charge him with other things, which we'll get into. Which it's another interesting point. What happened was they admitted that they had him, but they didn't tell anyone how they got him. Right. And it wasn't until the first day of Mordecai's trial where Mordecai is driven out of the prison to the courtroom in a van with windows and he's pressed his hand up against the window and written on his hand is a date and a flight number. Wow. And that flight number was the flight he he caught to go to Rome. So he is a very smart guy. Well, very smart. Except for the bit where he went, I'm going to photograph all of these nuclear warheads. And, and not do anything with them. I mean, and drive a taxi. And drive a taxi in Sydney well, I mean, and try yeah. to work out my life and become a, a Christian. They're and then 
give them to a journalist who betrayed me. Okay. Or, or allegedly betrayed me. Let's okay. be honest. There, there so, are faults to the plan. After that, every time he left the jail for the courtroom, the windows of the vans were blacked and yep. they had no one had contact with him ever again. Now, he goes to court. Oh. Right. He's, okay. he's since been released, but here we go. I've got a few little bits of detail for you. Okay. He was charged with treason. Yep. The collection of secret information with the intent to impair state security. And this is one I really like, aggravated espionage. Uh, how is it aggravated? Aggravated espionage. I should imagine what they're trying to say is aggravated espionage means he uh, – in Australia, we would call it espionage with intent. Okay. So because in Australia, if you go and look at our, our laws, and that's like the National Security Legislation Bill, Espionage and Foreign Interference 2017. Yep, I read it all uh, the time. It sits by the bar- in the bathroom. It's, yep. It's my go-to toilet reading. <laughs> uh, and, oh, 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 that's 20 years I'm going to go to prison. Right, so you gave – Espionage with intent, mm. I plan to steal information and give it to a foreign yep. organ- a foreign power. Or there's reckless, which is probably what I've got, reckless espionage where mm. uh, I'm just playing around with national secrets and not really caring. Or not even knowing. Or not even uh, – no, it's not so much knowing. You're, kind of, you're just being very reckless and yeah, stupid. Yeah, right. And that can, you know, we could go to prison for 20 years. We won't. It's okay. No. They basically go, he's an idiot. Trust us. Yeah. So he gets charged with aggravated. All of these things finally winds up getting, I think it was 19 years in prison. Wow. First 11 years in solitary confinement. No. Yes. That is really horrible. Really, really hard. Now, he got out, I think it was, uh, so this was back in 1986. Okay. So I do have a couple of questions. Yep. Um, first off, did he not think there was danger of this ever happening, of him being taken back to Israel and tried? Because um, he seems a bit loose with all the things that he was doing. Yeah, I'll go to London. Yeah, I'll go to Italy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was pretty much going, no, nah, everything's going to be above board and fine. Yeah. Right. I think it's, it'll all be cool because uh, once it's out, it's out. Now, oh, the other thing is, is it treason if the secrets that you gave out are secrets that the country isn't meant to be keeping? Does that make sense? No, but I know where you're going. If yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, what you're saying is, are these secrets if they're really not meant to be secret? Yeah. Yes, that's what that what secrets are, right? And the thing is, Israel having nukes. That's a huge secret. But it's like also a, a huge secret. no-no on the global platform. Oh, yeah. So but, but, I would think at some point, like, would, <laughs> wouldn't would you be like, well, you shouldn't have been keeping this secret. You shouldn't well, have even had it. that has been an argument. Uh, Do you know in, what I mean? Yes. Oh, that's been an argument in diplomatic and international court scenarios. Yeah. But essentially, Israel goes, uh, Holocaust, shut up. Well, I mean, that they, will always they are, win. Here's the thing about Israel. They are... And particularly their intelligence services, they are ruthless. They are ruthless. They are utterly ruthless, right, to the fact that um, they are not worried at all about yeah. it. Like, the fact that they didn't want to upset England, my attitude was, really? <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised they just didn't kill him. No, because they needed to know how much he knew uh, right. and they needed to know who he told. Okay. So he goes to prison. And also, once it becomes a public issue, yep. yeah, you can't. Yeah, if it's as soon as he dies, I mean- they're, they're ruthless, but they're, they're, they're Israel ruthless. They're not Putin ruthless. I was going to say, except for Navalny and Putin, blah, yeah, yeah, blah, blah. Right. Yep. And even Navalny at the moment is kind of, a, I reckon he'd probably be kind of a protected species because if something happens, yeah, that's going to get ugly. Right. Reference last episode. Yes. So you look at what happened to Vanunu is he has now been released. Right. He is 
Uh, now, what was the list? He's not allowed to leave Israel. Oh, so he's not an Uber driver in Sydney. <laughs> he's no longer. Yeah, he's not an Uber or taxi driver. Right. He's not allowed to leave Israel. He's not allowed to speak to a journalist. He's not allowed to go within. 500 metres of any border crossing in Israel. He's not allowed to go within 100 metres of a diplomatic mission in Israel. Every phone conversation he has, all of his mail, everything's monitored. Oh, my gosh. The guy is essentially still in prison. It's just an Israel-sized prison as opposed to a prison-sized prison. And what does 11 years in solitary confinement do to your brain? It would probably mess you up pretty badly. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is he was he's married to a Norwegian scientist. What? And even uh, and Okay, this is crazy. How how did that happen? I don't know. This guy is just we we need a movie on him. It, I think we do. Yeah. I I mean, I think a movie about Mordecai Vanuna would be fascinating, but the problem is you won't probably get one until he's dead. Yeah. And also Israel are never going to really release what they did and what they know about him. Now, the interesting point is every t- he keeps applying to go to Norway to see his wife. He wants to reunite with his wife. What? So, okay, hold on. Yep. Do they not live in the same country? No, 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 no. She lives in Norway. Okay. Yep. Okay. How? There's so many questions. How are they married? Generally through a church, I should imagine, okay. or a marriage celebrant. So was she in Israel? I don't know. These Again, these are these little mysterious bits and pieces of this story. It's like, because when it's like his Norwegian wife, it's like, what? I yeah. did, my reaction was exactly the same as yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only I was like looking at my iPad at the time. Yeah. As opposed to you looking at me, which is much more exciting. Really? Not really. Okay. Right. So he even applied for political asylum. In Norway. Yeah. To which Norway went, yeah, 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 nope. Nope. They just went, no, sorry, can't do it. Oh, as if like Norway is going to offer you anything. Well, yeah, they kind of do. They're not bad. The Norwegians aren't bad, but it's like literally, do we need to cross this bridge? I mean, with Israel, no. No, and that's the other thing. The incredible amount of power that Israel have Mm. on the global stage considering their size. Now, yes, now we know quite openly that they are a nuclear power. And it comes down to the point where... They went, and this is what this is how amazing the Atomic Energy Agency is. They basically sat down and, with the information they got from Vanunu, they went, "Well, how much plutonium are they producing? You know, how much tritium are they producing? How much of all the various elements they need to create?" Are you just making those elements? No, up? no, 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 no. Tritium is needed within. All right. right, all right, you're smart. I get it. A, I don't remember what it was called. It was a a, a fusion fission, like it's a fusion augmented fission. Bomb. Do you have a life outside of this podcast? No, really, no. No. i got a wife who just like goes, just go and read your iPod, David. Your iPad, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So what happened was they basically worked out how much plutonium and tritium and the various fissile materials they needed to make a weapon with. Yep. They worked out how much they were producing and went, okay, we're working on that. And Vanunu said that they generally use about four kilos per weapon. They worked out that Israel have 90 nukes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not ideal. No, 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 no. But this is the thing. North Korea have 30 to 40. Yep. And that's, oh, my God, this is terrible. Yeah, but, it, I mean, are they able to even, like, go any further than North Korea? They're, yeah, they've, they've worked on their missiles. They work really well. Oh, okay. But this comes back to one of these things, and I'm, we are going to do an episode on this, and I'm, I'm currently trying to lock down somebody to interview about it, someone who is a whistleblower. This is one of the classic whistleblower cases, mm. and we've got a lot of whistleblower cases going on in Australia right now with Witness K, with David McBride, all of these different people. This was a huge 
huge whistle that was being blown. Yeah. Because essentially Israel, who for years have been turning around to America going, guys, we've got nothing. No, we're, we're like, just, we're peaceful. Yeah, we're peaceful and we just need some more Abraham's tanks and come on, come yeah. on. And it's like, by the way, are they nukes? That a yeah. guy took on literally a disposable camera. So they, they now have admitted that they've got these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. no way they can get away with it now. No, of course not. So at what point does America go, well, you know, because it seems to me that America is still quite chummy-chummy with Israel. Oh, yeah, they always will be, yeah. Yeah. Well, essentially, don't forget that Israel and the US are inextricably linked strategically because they are essential to their Middle East strategy. And, I mean, of course, the biggest US base outside of the United States is in Qatar, or Qatar, as they like to call it. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think it's about 50 kilometres from Doha. But Israel is like, it's kind of like an adjunct to the American empire, mm. the best way to put it. But Israel is also fiercely independent. And they, the, as I said, we've got Israel back. They lost it for, what, 2,000 years? Mm. We've got it back. We're not giving it up. And they won't give it up, which is why Iran want nuclear weapons as well. See, I did it again, nuclear. 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 Every, everyone wants nuclear. Nuclear weapons. I don't. I don't. Well, no, but it seems – but, okay, so this used to be quite a big topic of conversation on the world stage. And yes. It seems to have died down slightly now. Is that because there's less of a threat with nuclear warheads? It's Well, as we come to realise, it's like if someone starts slinging nukes – we're all in trouble. And do we think that's kind of a fallout from Japan? Well, yeah. Look, when the, when the first one went off over Hiroshima, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm. uh, and there's a great book about Hiroshima and how the Japanese basically, that was the only way they could stop the war. Mm. The Japanese were going to go, we're going to fight to the last. And it wasn't the general population. It was the military going, no, nah, we're not giving up. Now, the devastation of those weapons, yeah, they're terrible. They're, mm. they're, they are dreadful weapons. But they're also, like, at one point during the Cold War, the Americans had what were called strategic nukes, mm. where literally a shoulder-mounted, like, not so much shoulder-mounted, but a small missile could be launched in the field with sort of like a half a kiloton range, which would just wipe out everything in, say, a two-mile radius. Now, that's really good. If you've got a tank regiment coming at you, you drop one of those right in the middle of that, they're squared away, yeah. and then you just roll straight over the top of them. Now, from an Australian perspective, is there any fear of this being an issue for us? Israel having nukes? Well, anyone, anyone having anyone, nukes. Yeah, yeah, good question. Well, there is the threat that if North Korea can get a weapon, that Could, it might get a missile, us. it might reach yeah. us. I mean, there's always that thing of if they've got a missile, they can reach but us. But they'll only get Darwin. But a lot of that's fear mongering yeah. as well. It yeah. really is just that we need to buy more weapons because they've got a weapon. Yeah, the well, first yeah, it's like the American. We we need to teachers need to have guns because yeah. people like yeah. to shoot. The people. only way to stop a bad person with a gun is a teacher with a gun. No, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> now the thing is, going back to Mordecai Vanuna, right? Mm. This guy is still living in virtual house arrest, and the classic thing is every time he keeps apply, applying to the High Court of Israel to, to have out. the restrictions on his life removed yeah. and to be allowed to just go and be with his wife. Yeah. And they keep saying no. And his argument, which is brilliant, is I don't know anything else. There's nothing more I can tell anyone else. And I'm not going to tell anyone anything else anymore because everyone already knows. Yeah, but we know about Israelis. The one thing we do know is they never forget. Yeah, they carry never. grudges. Yeah, 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 yeah. They will carry this grudge. Yeah, they will. And he will die there. 
I mean, it's interesting. Uh, it was interesting because he's got a. I went to his Twitter feed. <laughs> it is the most curated Twitter feed I've ever seen. I don't. Think it would have to be right. I don't think it's got anything to do with him personally because it's all photos of him. So he's got social media yeah, team. Super, <laughs> no, I think it's actually somebody who's put together a, that Twitter feed in support of him. Okay, right. Because there's no blue tick. There's nothing like that. There's not a lot of followers. And every single post is a photo of him standing on a beach in Tel Aviv. You know, different photos, probably all taken on the same day. And it's like, how long will he suffer under this terrible yeah. uh, draconian regime? The thing is, and it comes back to the thing we said about defectors, you're a traitor. Right, yeah. That's the bottom line is the country views you as a traitor. So a quick question. When he was in Australia, had he taken up residence here? Was yeah, he, he wanted to live here. Right, but like was he just on a visitor's visa? Like was he... Oh, was he... Uh, had he migrated? Yeah. I, no, he hadn't been here long enough for that. Okay. He'd literally been here for... So Australia had no ownership over no, him. No, we had nothing to do okay. with him. It was really... And that's the thing, again, with my mate Greg going, what have you done? It's like we didn't do anything. Yeah. Right. And you know, I did what most intelligence officers do when that happens. You put a name into a you know into the index to see what comes up. Well, back then it was card file. Yeah. But I went and checked it out. No, there was nothing. There was nothing there. Yeah. Because a he's an Israeli, so we don't keep track of Israelis when no. they come to the country. Like yeah, if he'd been a Soviet from the Soviet Union, we would have a record of him. But I mean, we have computer records of everyone who comes into the country. Mm. But you know, we don't focus on everybody we focus on the it's all about targeting now he wouldn't have fit the front no now i'm pretty sure once it all came out that he'd been here oh heavens to betsy there would have been quite a lot of ruckus yes. about it and a lot of what the hell's going on and what do we know but the bottom line is israel and they are so good at this they are so good. Mm. I remember having a liaison officer in an intelligence organisation. A liaison. Liaison officer in a, a an intelligence organisation who I will not name to protect the uh, the organisation. MI5. Uh, close. Um, anyway, he was talking about how he was working in Jordan and like worked in – he was based in Rome but was yep. working in all these Middle Eastern countries as a liaison officer and I said, you know, so – Who's the worst? I mean, it must be it must be awful trying to work for you know, going into Saudi Arabia. We went no Israel. Yeah, Israel's the worst to work with. Yeah. Went, I would rather deal with the PLO than deal with Israel. To which I went, what? And his answer was simple: Israel want everything. Yep. and they don't want to give you they anything. They won't give in return. you anything. So any liaison relationship is very one sided because they are, as we've said before, they are ruthless. They are so protective of because. If you've ever been to Israel or you know what Israel's like, it's not big. Mm. And to be perfectly honest, I find it interesting because it looks like so many people have walked over that place that the grass will never grow there again. No. Right. It's a very, very arid, very dry, very, very hard country. And they will die to protect it. And that's what's happened to Mordecai Venunu breached that trust. He, yeah. he not only but he's, he's dead to them but they will punish him anyway. They will hold on to him till the day he dies. Yeah. And the thing is, not just the nukes, he converted to Christianity. Oh so my he God, betrayed that is like, the faith. That is even worse. Yeah. So look There you have it. There you have it. Mordecai Venunu. Mordecai Venunu. Like, that's a, an incredible story. It's it's got everything. Kidnappings, druggings, I journalists, I, I feel like we need traps. we need to sell this to someone. This needs to be the next Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. It's it's a James Bond film, but the guy who's James Bond is really quite ordinary. I'm in. Yeah.
All right. Well, I really enjoyed talking about Mordecai Venunu. Correct. Well done. I know. I got it. You got it. Yeah, it's good. Good one. Um, I know his name better than yours sometimes. Yes, generally. Yes. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about women. Women in intelligence. Amazing. I mean, everyone sort of like goes, oh, you know, it's Moneypenny or it's a Bond girl. No, there are some absolutely kick-ass women in intelligence. Some and badasses. Yeah, and there have been for years. Yeah. Right right through history, women have played a really powerful role in intelligence. And one of the ones I like is Joe Biden's new director of, or national director of intelligence. She is hardcore. I love hardcore. Oh, yeah. Yeah.